Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth, and I'm sitting here with my friend Tom. Tom, I have to be on my best behavior today. You better be. <laughs> you better our, be. Our guest is an incredible person, if I might say so you myself. You know, of all the guests we've had, this is probably the best one. The best looking one, too. The be- by far. By well, far. No well, offense to uh, any of the any others, of those other of guests. guests. But I will just say this. A lot of people realize that in the Catholic Cafe, we have this wonderful segment called The Greatest Moments in Church History. It is a wonderful segment. That's right. And a lot of people look forward to that, and actually they think they like that more than they like the rest of the show. We have gotten that feedback. That's exactly right. And the person that does that is my beautiful wife, Bess Drzymski. Well, she's here with us in the luxurious corner booth. And uh, Bess, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now she sounds so meek and humble now, but you, <laughs> you should hear her when she gets angry. But uh, that's for I another show altogether. That. I um, don't believe of course she not. gets she's, angry. She's very good at keeping that from people. I don't believe she gets angry. It's wonderful having you here, Bess. And Thanks. I'm glad to be here. You know here. what? We're going to focus a little bit today on this whole concept of being the deacon's wife. And so, what we want to do is start right off the bat. I you're, love you're to, a brave man. I know. I'm gonna. I love to throw people under the bus immediately. And oh, so I'm I gonna think ask the you, bus is getting ready to hit you, brother. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Bess, we, we're going to ask you right off the bat. What is it like being the deacon's wife? I hope this is going to be good. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> this has not been rehearsed. That's right. What do you think, Bess? Oh, I think it's wonderful to be the deacon's wife. It's a lot of fun. It's fun. You don't have any problems with me being a deacon? None at all. That's, that's really? Thanks. That's some, some serious support I am right shocked. there. I really am shocked. Really? What, what problems would you think I would ever have? I would just think that he, he's pulled in so many different directions constantly that pretty soon it's a strain on you. We haven't got to that point yet. Well, I've only been ordained for a year and a half, so maybe the opportunity is coming up. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you know what? We do know. I, actually, we know that God would never do anything to separate us, right? Because he values marriage so much so that he, well, we had a show on drinking wine, and we talked about the fact that Jesus blessed that married couple's life by making some uh, seriously large amounts of wine for their celebration. So he's endorsing, obviously, that that sacramental marriage. So I think he would do everything he could to build up our marriage. Sure. And I think that the diaconate is something that should work uh, with our marriage and not against it, shouldn't strain. We shouldn't let it ever get to that point. Did you always think he would be a deacon? I did not always think he would be a deacon. All right, be careful with this answer here because, you know, this is where it could get dangerous. But 20 years ago... I was a different person. We got married a little over 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, I was just praying that he would come to church with me. Oh, wow. wow. See, now, there you wow. go. See, this is the part of me that uh, people don't always realize. <laughs> they see me sitting there with the little gray shirt and the white collar, and they think, oh, what a holy man. He's yeah. probably always been holy. Well, Let me tell you. have always been holy. You've always been a holy man. Well, that, not in that way that people say, like, oh, I'm a spiritual person, just not a religious person. No. I had my times when I think that I would even question whether or not I was holy, for, for sure. I just had to convince you that it was more important to go to church than play around the golf. That's exactly wow. right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really? I, did, I did some serious sleeping in. And these are things that as I look back, I go, how could I have ever made those choices? But that's why it's good to have a wonderful wife, to have there someone there to support. She has always been, when I tell my conversion story, I love to point out the fact that she was the rock yeah. in our relationship. When that's I came great. bebopping on home to tell her I'd found Jesus and her reaction was not, oh, great, honey, I'm glad you found Jesus. It was like, what, you're leaving the church? <laughs> 
That's you true. Know? And that, and that was, but, but that was a wonderful, as I look back in hindsight, I was, uh, I think was blessed by that because I think that was one of the things that caused me to think, well, maybe this whole idea of church is something that's very important and I should pay attention to which church uh, that I'm going to belong to. Okay, right. so fast forward. Yeah. All of a sudden he comes home one day and says, hey, honey, I'm going to be a deacon. <laughs> That was a big difference. That was a giant change. And in the past, when he talked about wanting to leave the church, for me, being Catholic was who I was. It defined who, what kind of person I was, was a Catholic. And then I was Bess. So him being a deacon, people would ask me questions about my faith, and it would just be because the church says so. You know, why do you believe in, you know, the Immaculate Conception? Because my church says so. There wasn't any questioning about why the church would say that. But now as part of the diaconate, we're going to study. Why does the church say that? So there's a whole lot more study involved in the diaconate process of being a, the wife of a deacon than just to be a Catholic person. But, you know, even before I think that I started talking to you about this about this call that I was receiving from God about being a deacon and being more active in the ministry of the of the church, there were we were going through some great times of doing a lot of reading and study in that process where I had sort of fallen away from the church and but then I had rediscovered this relationship with Jesus and then started reading these stories, these wonderful yeah. books about people who came back to the church or who had joined the church for the first time and all these different point-by-point arguments that they would discover and find out, well, the Catholic position is really the position that perfectly aligns sacred tradition and sacred scripture. And I remember I would share these things with you, and you go, well, you know, we've always believed that. And right. I'd say, yeah, but did you know why? <laughs> no. And then we'd start talking about those <laughs> those scripture verses, and we the were why? so enriched by, in, by that process. It, right. made, it I, made you take it up a notch. It did. That's what, I guess that's what I mean. It made it deeper for my faith. I mean, the why, did you know that the people, that the church believes it's the first church founded by Christ? Yeah, I knew that. I've always known that. I've always believed that. Yeah, where in Scripture does it say that? And That's where do the we part get that? I didn't know. And so we learned that stuff together. And that was and even that before was my call to, to the diaconate or before I realized that call. Yeah, that was just your call back to the church. Now you see me on the altar now, and I know you're looking yeah. at me because I can see you. You know, when you're sitting up on the altar, you see everybody's face. You see the people who are chewing gum. Does she make faces <laughs> at you? You see the people who are reading, never. I never who are reading the bulletin while you're doing the homily. Now, aren't she never does that. Aren't those pet peeves of yours? Well, let's not go there. Let's okay. not go there. But I will right. say that I've seen Sorry. her looking at me, but she looks at me, I think, like the first time she ever saw me. Wonder and awe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love this yeah. woman. I think it's more shock and awe. <laughs> no, no, it's wonderful. What is your sense, though, when you're, when you're looking up there and you're seeing what I'm doing? And I know a lot of times during our formation process, there were a lot of people that were trying to prepare you as a deacon's wife and say, well, you know, you're going to be alone a lot. You're going to be by yourself. You know, he's the only one who's going to be ordained. He's going to be standing in front of people, and you're going to be sort of like in the shadows. Is that what you feel like when you're sitting in the pew? I have never sensed that. Now, we do still have a lot of little children at home, so I still have children in the pew with me. She's mother of my nine children. Wow. But to me, it's just so wonderful that you answered such a great call, that to me, to be the wife of a deacon is like such an honor. It makes me feel so holy inside to know that that was the choice you made. That's really a call to both of you, isn't it? It's a call to both of us, but only one of us gets ordained. Oh, yeah. I mean, but we have to agree together that I don't know that it could be called a sacrifice that you're going to be in the altar and I'll be in the pew. But it's, you know, we're both there for the same thing for mass. It's just your role is different. The role of a deacon is to serve at the altar. The role of a parishioner is to participate in Mass and be there to worship God. The Vatican II documents talk about that active and full participation of every Catholic at Mass, and we're all called in different ways to act in Mass. 
where the, the priest, the presider, will be in one place saying one thing. The deacon will be in one place saying one thing. Then we have you have acolytes, you have uh, lectors, you have all these other different ministers that are part of that process. And, of course, you have the lay faithful, which are called to actively and fully participate. And I, I think what, I sense That's what, what you're saying is say. that you are, right. that you are feel like it. you're participating in that in that very way. That's a wonderful thing. Now, that takes me back, though, to thinking about our formation process. What was that like for you in terms of did you learn stuff? Did you meet new people? How did all that work? We, it was a five-year process. Right. My favorite part was meeting all the different deacon-to-be's and wives of the deacon-to-be's. How wonderful it was to form a friendship with people who were on the same journey. Uh, is that a technically a correct deacon-to-be's? I do That's hard to say. I don't yeah. know. She said it back-to-back, too. Yeah, she did. <laughs> I think she's coining a new phrase. She's good. Deacon-to-be's. She's good. Well, our kids called them dits, deacons in training. Yeah. But I didn't want to go there. <laughs> that so. doesn't sound as nice. I, I don't like that. I may edit that out of the show. I don't know. Dits. Because uh, well, I've been called a dit before, but uh, you know, I never thought that was a positive thing until now. Um, anyway, that part was so much fun. And learning, we still have like those friends, said. though. We still have those relationships. Yes. Well, it was five years. So you meet those people. And my least favorite part about not having classes anymore is missing those people and not seeing. Because at the time, I got to be friends with all the men. But now they serve just like you do, and their wives are with them, and I don't get to see that part of their ministry fulfilled. So that I do miss. I miss the wives, and I miss the deacons that are now deacons. Did you feel like you grew, though, in that process, in that process of formation? In other words, formation, because they call this a couple's ministry. Right. For those who are married, the men who are married, that it really is a couple's ministry. Now, while truthfully only the men are ordained, right? but that's what the church has always done, and that's what the church will continue to do. The wife has to be in total support of that ministry. Because just like Tom said at the beginning of the show, your time is not going to be our time anymore. Half of your time or more than half of your life has to go to the church. So I think they have to make sure that the wife is okay with that, that the wife is okay that four out of five nights of the week you're going to be at the church teaching our CIRA. I don't don't think I would agree with you about the half thing, about saying this half or just like when one of your kids says – do you love me more than so That's and right. so? That's you have true. an infinite amount of love for every one of your children. You don't have you don't separate your nine kids and say, Well, you get one ninth of my love. You're right. Mm-hmm. You get right. all of my love. There's always enough to go around for everybody. That's and right. that's and, true for the diaconate. And that was too. true in our formation. I remember that so much. And people say, Well, how did you commit five years to that process? With at the when we started we had seven kids. Right. How did you how did you how did you wow, permit? That's cool. You know that much uh, that much time to be allotted to to that formation. Really, God just took care of all of that, and it always worked out. I it mean, did. when we were going out of town, or when the kids had to be somewhere, it would be an off weekend. It seemed like we only had to miss like two classes the entire five-year formation, and that's with having two children. Well, very good. So we have so much more to share about being the deacon's wife, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. And interestingly, we're going to send this thing from Bess. To Bess. So we're going to hear her wonderful, beautiful voice talking about another wonderful, beautiful, great moment in church history. And we will be right back after this. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. In 1904, a humble religious brother named Blessed André Bassett began building a shrine in honor of St. Joseph in Montreal, Canada. 
Brother Andre was born into a family of ten children. He said his great devotion to St. Joseph came from the example of his father and the teaching of his mother. His father was a lumberjack who died in a tragic accident when Andre was only nine. His mother died three years later of tuberculosis, which left all ten children as orphans. When Andre was only 12 years old, he was forced to leave school and travel in order to find work. He wandered from job to job and eventually ended up in the United States as a textile worker. He was a diligent worker and excelled at his trade, even though he was in poor health. In 1870, he returned to Canada and applied to enter the Congregation of the Holy Cross in Montreal. With some reluctance, the superiors of the order agreed to accept him and assigned him the menial tasks in the community. Just as St. Joseph said yes to God's call and obediently consented to Christ's mission of salvation, Blessed Andre carried out his duties with a spirit of obedience and joy, even though they were the most humbling and tedious of tasks. His superiors kept a close eye on him, wondering if they had made a mistake in accepting him to the order. Brother Andre said, when I entered the community, my superior showed me the door, and I remained there for 40 years without leaving. Blessed Andre began to greet the physically and emotionally troubled who came to visit his community. For nearly 25 years, he received visitors for six to eight hours a day. His reputation for healings and cures became widespread. He did not like being known as a miracle worker. He once said, people are silly to think that I can perform miracles. It is God and St. Joseph who can heal you, not I. In today's modern culture, St. Joseph stands as a model for all Christian fathers. He emulates what it means to protect, provide, and nurture a Christian family. Knowing this, Brother Andre said, When you invoke St. Joseph, you don't have to speak much. You know your Father in Heaven knows what you need. Well, so does his friend St. Joseph. Today, the Shrine to St. Joseph, built by Brother Andre, is now a magnificent basilica that thousands of pilgrims visit each year. They come seeking the same healing and renewal thousands receive from Blessed Andre during his life. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. I'm still Deacon Jeff, and I'm still sitting here with my beautiful wife, Bess, and along with uh, Tom Dorian. And, uh, <laughs> Hi, Tom. And she still hasn't thrown that pie at you. And she's not going to because she loves me so much. No, I'm going to encourage it. <laughs> See, that's what she's – she's not going to throw it, not because – I do love you very much, good. too, though. I appreciate that. Um, before we go on, I do want to mention that we have a wonderful website that folks should visit, and that's www.thecatholiccafe.com. For those of you who are slow or hard of hearing, www.thecatholiccafe.com, <laughs> because people need to spend some more time listening to some of these previous shows, because I think they're little diamonds in the rough, don't you? I do, too. <laughs> and so what? Uh, now, let's uh, let's get back to uh, Bess. We, she's looking like Please. she's been left off the menu here, Not and we want to make sure that she is she's covered and has plenty of time to speak because she came prepared with she's got six pages of notes here she wants to get to no she has no notes <laughs> she has nothing that in front of her mean. I, I could do that to that. me but not her man that's your wife I apologize I to everyone listening she to has all the pie over her shoulders ladies and gentlemen <laughs> it's being aimed right <laughs> All right, if you hear a loud splat sound. Yeah, that was, that was the All right, well, so let's get back to what we were talking about. Now, obviously, you've pointed out that the wife is not ordained. 
the husband is ordained, but you still have a way of participating in my ministry. How does that work? What, well, what are some the, of the things that you do? The best way that we participate is that we support you, that it's part of our life now that you're a deacon. It's part of the light. I mean, just like you're a father, when you become a father for the first time, it doesn't change the love you have for your wife. It just like grows, like we talked about with kids. Right. So you're a father, but you're also still a husband. That's right. And it, and so you're a deacon, but you're still a husband and you're still a father. And it's wonderful with all of us that you're all of those things. So, and the first way that I would be part of your ministry would just be to support you and to pray with you. I mean, we love to say our prayers together and, and I don't know that we could get through the day without having that together, without the prayers that we have together. And then we do ministries together. We do St. Vincent de Paul together. We do our angel tree at our church together, where that's a joint ministry that the two of us do. We would be there with you, me and the kids. We would come and do that kind of stuff together. And, of course, you write all my homilies. Uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> I do get to hear them before you preach them, and that part's nice. Well, and it, actually, the feedback is very good. There are several times. In fact, I remember one homily where we were talking, and I had this idea that, it, that, that I had presented to you. And you said, yeah, it's great, but, you know, it would be better if you did it like this. Right. And really, she does give some great feedback. Yeah. So, And it's good to have that sounding board. It's good to have a person that you can trust, someone that you've trusted your innermost secrets with, someone who you right. really totally trust. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's, a, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. And that's, that's a, a good thing. extra something a deacon has that a priest doesn't. And now, what, what kind of advice would you offer? I know there's a lot of people who might be listening, some wives that might be thinking about what they're going to do, what's going on in their husband's lives. Some of them may feel called to some sort of ministry or some kind of activity for the church. And, you know, what advice would you give those wives? Well, I think the first thing you do together is pray about it. And you say, is this really where the Holy Spirit wants us to go as a family, as a couple, together? And if the answer is yes, then you embrace it wholeheartedly and you say, this is what we're going to do. This is, this becomes as important in our life as each other and the kids where the church is always important and you can't have a beautiful marriage without having Christ in his church as part of your marriage. You say, this is what God wants us to do. And this is where we're going to go. And I think being able to say that and not look back and go, well, what if, you know, what if our kids had stayed on the soccer teams instead of us going to classes every other Saturday? I, I think that that's not a very healthy attitude to have. I think it's like, this is what we're doing, and this is wonderful, and this is beautiful, and to accept that and embrace it. And I think you have to trust in God a lot. Exactly. There are so many people nowadays that don't really trust in God. They think that we've got to do it all by ourselves. And really, we were, all, we were I don't want to say amazed, but we were pleasantly Surprised And how easy it was. Exactly right. Because people kept talking about the strain and the stress it's going to put on your family and the time right. that it was going to take. And, man, I think we, we took to it just so beautifully. I think that we've always felt blessed by the whole experience from, right. the, from the very beginning to discussing this, this call to, to aspirancy, to the candidacy. Excitement and joy of the ordination. Oh, yeah. That was such a beautiful, beautiful moment. And I think that, you know, aside from maybe our own marriage... That ranks as, you know, right, way up, way there. up there in terms of, of, of greatest moments uh, in our own kid. personal history. Yeah, well, you know, we have each child. So if my children are listening, yes, each one of you was the most special <laughs> of all my kids. Okay, now wait a second. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of, of kids and family and houses and things that have to get taken care of and done, has this diaconal ministry of mine, has it, do you think, it's really affected you in terms of 
does it put more pressure on you? Does it make it more difficult to do the things you do? You talked about being a pastor's wife and being a pastor who would be like the leader of a church or whatever, and you'd always be on this pedestal and people would always be looking at you. But really the reality is you do so much behind the scenes you don't have time for all that yeah. showy stuff. Come on, you do. Be, be <laughs> honest. We have such a beautiful home. If you could see our house, Tom. I've you just seen have it. to give me beautiful. like a couple of hours before you come over. <laughs> well, now there is that thing when, when, whenever we hear someone's coming over, there's that sort of mad dash to shove everything into a drawer. <laughs> we never do that in our house. Of course we you don't. don't. Our house is spick and span. You don't have any Your extra stuff laying around. Yeah. That's true. Your house is beautiful. But yeah. in terms of like... Keeping a nice household, in terms of keeping a good Christian focus in your household, not just in terms of chores and keeping things clean. It's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the things that parents do right. for their kids, the, being there as parents. Do you I find any just, extra pressure? No, I just think it adds, it makes it, I, it makes it more beautiful. It makes, it adds a whole other element of God into our family. Now, now people out in radio land need to know that you guys homeschool. We do. Nine kids. Well, Deacon, one's in college. I, I, just, I, I guarantee you people are listening to radio. A couple going, of them aren't very smart either, so those <laughs> are they're easy, they're easy to homeschool. Yeah, but they're going, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding you me. You give them coloring books, yeah. put them in the corner, they're fine. No, they've they got to be thinking, <laughs> this, is, that. <laughs> this is incredible. That's incredible. So you do, you do but, a saintly job. But people, that actually makes it easier to... Not have to be on a schedule to all be the time. flexible. To be flexible, yeah. and that helped us with the diaconate program even to be able to be flexible. And certainly now, you know, tomorrow our boys would have to go serve a funeral. Well, that's fine. That's not a problem. We can finish school at four in the afternoon. Where kids who are in school they have to be there from eight to three. But actually, homeschooling gives us the whole day, literally, to finish our schoolwork and to know what needs to be done. And the diaconate just adds a whole other element of prayer to our family knowing that we do have to do the morning prayers and the kids know, oh, you're saying prayers right now. Or just even for the kids to see us together saying prayers is such a beautiful thing for children. Well, how do you think the kids feel about all this stuff? What is your perspective? I know what I think, but what do you think the kids think Oh, about I think the stuff? kids think it's really cool that you're a deacon. And my only negative would be that we used to have all of our boys saying that they wanted to go up and grow up to be priests. And now they go, hey, I can be a deacon and be married. <laughs> well, that's... That's a noble thing, though. That's because, you know, in all honesty, one of the reasons why I think that I was so willing to answer the call to uh, to ordination to the diaconate was that I I think that I wanted to let my kids know that really it's something that I could trust in God and that hopefully they would be able to see that and realize that that would be a reason why they may want to right. to trust in God. And maybe it is a call to the priesthood and we would be... We would definitely be blessed if one of our boys, are you listening, boys? Yeah, hint, hint. Any yeah, exactly. Of them. And Any that's right. Or all <laughs> would would consider uh, would consider the priesthood uh, as a vocation. We think that'd be a wonderful, noble, and beautiful and holy thing to do. But we'd also be happy if we had uh, another deacon in the family, and we'd be thrilled if we had someone called to the religious life. You know, if we had some monk or a brother. Or if we had a nun. I was going to say, you left the girls in. No, no, no. And I I think that just having you be ordained shows our kids that that door is always open. You know, so many kids or so many parents will say, I don't ever want my son to be a priest or I don't ever want my daughter to be a sister. And I think the fact that you are a deacon shows our kids how much... It just leaves that door wide open and says this would be a beautiful thing. It's and, a beautiful But don't world. you think that also we heard one priest tell us or talk about the fact that the people with the large families are more than willing to offer 
some right. or more of their children up to the religious life and to, to offer them to the service of God, obviously that would be a decision that they would have to make personally and they would have to answer that call from God if God was calling them. But we would be more than happy to do that because we have lots of children. And nowadays when you have these families that tend to be smaller, which when you have one or two boys and that's all you have, you may be less likely to encourage vocations in your own family. Now, but we've heard of that happening and, and, and for different re- reasons, different uh, people will have different sized families, but honestly, if we just had a whole bunch of big families, I think we'd have a whole lot more priests and, and nuns to uh, to oh, yeah. work with. Yep. Well, now, so you think it encourages vocations? I do. In I the think family, en- I think just the boys and the girls seeing a vocation in our family makes them think this is a and seeing that it works, that it's a part, beautiful part of our church and our church life. That vocations are wonderful. And, and then also the to vocation to the married life. If someone is called to be a lay person and to be married, sacramentally uh, joined to another person, I think that's something they see. Hopefully they see that in our relationship. Right. Right. Um, sometimes we have to lie to them and tell them <laughs> we're a lot more holy than, than we really are. But uh, no. I think they see that. You, you never, don't think so? Never, no. never, never, never. They do see us go to confession I surround myself lot. with such great people <laughs> <laughs> that just take care of me and make me feel good. So... Let's try to sum up here. Okay. What kind of advice would you give another woman whose husband's considering this call to ministry? I think to support him 100%. If she feels like this is what God is calling them to do, be behind him 100%. And don't have any reservations. Just know that with the Holy Spirit's in charge, it's going to be a wonderful thing. It's going to add to your marriage, and it's going to add to your family life. And try not to think about, oh, so many hours or so much time away from home. Instead, it's like... All the blessings that are going to come back to you. Beautiful advice from a very beautiful woman. Wouldn't you say, Tom? Absolutely. Be careful what you say about my wife. <laughs> yes, sir. It's so nice to be here. You kind of hulked compliments. up there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, Tom, now what we have to do now is we have to rate this show. And now I want you to, I want you just to give me the scale on zero to what? Zero to 21. On zero to 21, I'm thinking I'm going to write a number down. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this number down. And I think this is – I'm making a prediction. What is the – it's actually 22. <laughs> I wrote 21. I was wrong. I wrote down 21. Yeah. No, so I was going to give it a 22. 21, I was going to give it 22. It's best. It's best. It is. It's the best show Thank ever. Yeah. So Wonderful. We'll be replaying yeah. this in the household a lot. Excellent. I can imagine. It'll Excellent. be on. Probably when I get home, I'll be hearing this, this show. <laughs> Bess, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having and me. And thank you for being that special voice in the middle of the program that, that brings its little, little high point. It's the, the best voice. It's the best voice of thank all. Thank you so much. Well, let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mm. Heavenly Father, you call women to lives of dignity, grace, and holiness, modeled after the example of the very first Christian, Mary, most holy. Bless all women that they may live out their individual vocations in a way that glorifies you and builds up your kingdom here on earth. We ask this through Christ our Lord, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>